What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, and welcome to part two of episode zero of my weekly NFL pick show for the 2018-2019 NFL regular season and playoffs. We have a jam-packed edition in part two of episode zero, so we're going to waste no time getting right to it, and we kick things off with breaking news. Folks, if you've been a fan of putting your picks head-to-head against mine in seasons past, I have great news for you. The Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool for Season 7 is now open and live to be joined. That is right. The seventh season of the Pick'em League, it is now up, ready to roll. So... If you want to join, if you want to put your straight-up picks head-to-head against mine using the coveted confidence point system, here is what you need to do. In your web browser of choice, you need to go to football.fantasysports.yahoo.com slash pick'em. Yes, we're going to stay on Yahoo. If you don't have a Yahoo account, go to yahoo.com, sign up a Yahoo account so that you can join the Pick'em League. One more time, that's football.fantasysports.yahoo.com forward slash pick'em. You're going to want to click the link there that says join group. So you just click that big button that says join group going to ask you for a group ID as well as a password. Now, for the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool for Season 7, your group ID is 3361. Once again, that is 3361. It's going to prompt you for a password. The password is all in numbers 123456789. Can't make it much easier than that. Just go right across your number pad. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. As of recording, which is uh, 8.30 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, the 14th of August, we have two, four, five, six, seven. We have seven people so far that have joined the Pick'em Pool for season seven. How ironic is that? We usually have anywhere from 20 to 40 who wind up making it into the pool every year. So... Make sure you get into the pool, again, straight up picks, put them head-to-head against mine, employing the confidence point system. If you've done it before, you know the deal. Confidence points, most points to your most confident games, less points to your less confident games. It's as easy as that. Put your straight up picks head-to-head against mine, see if you can win yourself a pick'em pool. But I would be remiss at this point if I did not mention there is also an official pick'em pool for the NFL YouTube prognosticators. And in the same way that last year I plugged Hatbox Kid, Chris Carter's pick'em pool, this year I'm also going to be plugging the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pool differs from ours because you pick against the spread. It's not a straight up pool, does not use confidence points, but you are picking the games against the spread. So for the 2018 NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pool, exact same process, football.fantasysports.yahoo.com forward slash pick'em. You click the link that says join group going to prompt you once again for the group ID as well as the password. So the group ID for the NFL YouTube prognosticators official pick'em pool is 3339. One more time, that group ID is 3339. 
nine. It's going to prompt you for the password. The password is very simple. The password is just PROG, P-R-O-G, all in lowercase letters. So make sure that you join not only my Pick'em Pool for Season 7 of the show, but also join the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Pick'em Pool. Use my pool to make your picks straight up. Use the PROG's pool to make your picks against the spread. And hey, let's have some fun. Also, I have to make a correction from last week. Uh, I didn't even mention Nerd Tease through the entire episode last week, so I'm lucky that poor Ruby, sweet Ruby, has not pulled my sponsorship. NerdTease.ca, use the promo code BWFINEST. It's going to save you 15% at checkout when you make your order from Nerd Tease. If you live in Canada, you're going to get free shipping on any order over 50 bucks. If you live in the U.S., there's a great conversion rate on the U.S. dollar. So there's no better time to get yourself some delicious, delicious tea from Nerd Tease. I'm drinking some right now. In fact, today's blend is the man, the myth, the legend chocolate cake so 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 delicious little bit of milk in there smooth great way to start your day and it's caffeine free so you can even enjoy it late at night nerdtease.ca promo code bwfinest it's going to save you 15 percent at checkout and ruby i sincerely apologize for my gaffe last week now that we got the clerical stuff out of the way now that we've fixed our correction from last week except for you know taking Darius Geis, I guess, in the uh, in the top 50 dynasty players, and then he immediately suffers a torn ACL and he's done for the year. So I feel bad. I almost feel like that's personally my fault. Here, it's time to get into the real bulk of what today's episode is. Today's episode is full NFC predictions. Of course, your Super Bowl champion from last year coming from this conference, the Philadelphia Eagles. Full season NFC predictions in this episode. Next week, we're going to do the same for the AFC. And then the week after that, which is part four, the final part of episode zero, that will in part not only be a Q&A, but that is also going to be a full NFL playoffs and Super Bowl prediction. That's all going to be in part four. That's two weeks down the road. Let's focus on today with some NFC predictions. And the way I'm going to be doing the conference predictions is going to differ a little bit from what it was last year. Last year, I had the entire schedule laid out and what specifically what games the teams were going to win and lose. I wanted to differ things up a little bit this year, in part because that's incredibly time-consuming, but also it just gives a different flavor to it. So I just wanted to look at things a little bit differently. So we're still going to be going through every division in the NFC, all four of them, starting with the East. But what we're going to be doing is, for each team, we're going to look at what was the record last year, what has been their average record over the last three seasons, because yes, while some teams have had a lot of turnover, I also wanted to reward consistency, and I feel like that's what that does. Take a look at how the teams have fared on average over the last three seasons. Rather than looking at each team's schedule game by game by game, I wanted to focus on stretches because the stretches in a particular team's season can really be the difference between whether they finish above 500, below 500. How they handle stretches of, you know, back-to-back home games, back-to-back road games, the the coveted back-to-back-to-back home game, or the feared back-to-back-to-back road game. So I really wanted to look at schedule stretches and what stretches particular teams happen to have throughout the course of the regular season. Were the schedule makers good to certain teams? Were they bad to certain other ones? 
That's really what I wanted to focus on. And then in terms of making the actual predictions, I'm breaking it down to how I think the team is going to do within their own division, how I think they're going to do against the other NFC division that they have to play every team in, and then the AFC games and the rest of their other NFC games before I give the final record prediction. And the way that I'm going to do that is for each and every team, I've got a ceiling and I've got a floor. So the ceiling, obviously, if things go the best of the best that they could possibly, well, realistically, go for each team, that's that team's ceiling. And if it goes as bad as it could possibly go, this is the floor. So obviously, there's going to be a lot of difference between a team's particular ceiling and floor, both within those smaller portions and the larger record as a whole. And by the end, we'll have our four NFC division champions, and we'll also have the two NFC wildcard teams. Without further ado, let's get started. We're going to kick things off with the NFC East. Within each division, we're just going to go alphabetically just to make things easy. So we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys were 9-7 and seven last season. They missed out on the playoffs, but they did finish over 500. So I guess, you know... Could have been a lot worse. And 9-7 and seven actually also sits as their three-season average. Over the last three seasons, that's about where they finished on average, record of 9-7. and seven. In terms of Dallas's schedule, it's mostly back and forth in terms of home games versus road games. They do, however, have that coveted back-to-back-to-back home stretch from weeks 12 to 14. They do have to hit the road for back-to-back -back games. However, heading into that stretch, they have back-to-back -back roadies, weeks 10 and 11. The bye week is in week 8. So it's a fairly balanced schedule. They got pretty lucky on the bye. It's right in the middle of the regular season. That means good things. So, in terms of the division, obviously, two games against the other three teams in the NFC East. How might Dallas do? In terms of a ceiling for the Cowboys, I think their ceiling within the division is probably 5-1. and one. I could see Dallas beating the Giants twice. I could see them beating Washington twice. I don't think they beat Philly twice. I think they probably split those games. Uh, it, it, you know, best case scenario, I think they could hope for probably a home-and-home -home split with Philly. So I could realistically see 5-1 and one being the division ceiling for Dallas. You look at the opposite end of that, what's the floor? I don't think they lose both games to either the Giants or Washington. Worst case scenario, though, I could see them with a home-and-home -home split with those two teams and losing both games to Philadelphia because that's just the caliber of team that the Eagles are. So while the ceiling is 5-1, and one, the floor for Dallas probably 2-4 and four within the division. The NFC East this season will have to play every team in the NFC South one time, which means they have to play Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. So, in terms of Dallas playing the NFC South, honestly, I think the ceiling is 2-2. Two and two. I think, best case scenario, they beat Tampa and beat one of Atlanta, Carolina, or New Orleans. Right now, I don't see Dallas being the type of team from top to bottom that would beat those teams multiples of those teams like I don't see them beating Atlanta and Carolina or Atlanta and New Orleans or Carolina and New Orleans I do see them beating one of those teams and probably dropping the games to the other two so I think two and two is probably the ceiling in the NFC South for Dallas the floor 
it's one and three. Honestly, I don't think Dallas is losing to Tampa Bay one way or the other. I think Dallas beats Tampa Bay. They're just a better football team. But Dallas could realistically lose to those other three teams, Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans. That could very easily happen. So we're going to look at probably a floor of one and three in the NFC South for Dallas. The NFC East also crosses over to play the AFC South this season. And then, of course, taking into consideration the rest of their games against other NFC opponents. So, Dallas, in terms of the rest of those games, those other six games, the ceiling, I don't think they would sweep everybody in the AFC South, but I could see them realistically going 5-1, and one, beating their other two NFC opponents, beating most of the teams in the AFC South. So, 5-1 and one might be a lofty ceiling, but I would see that as being the ceiling. On the opposite end, I think the floor there could be 1-5. I think maybe they beat one of those AFC South teams, not necessarily beat or lose to all of them. I think they probably win one of those games, but they could lose to their other NFC opponents who know them a little bit better, and that could wind up just being 1-5. It could be a terrible stretch for them. And I think for them specifically, for Dallas specifically, that will determine the games against the AFC South and the other games against the NFC will probably determine ultimately where their record falls. So, do all the math. I've got Dallas with a ceiling of a final record, ceiling of 12-4, and four, but the floor is 4-12. and 12. If it goes as good as it could possibly go, I think this is a 12-win football team, definitely a playoff team. If it goes as bad as it could possibly go, you're looking at maybe an injury, some injuries on the offensive line. If it's not quite as good as it could be, the defense has been suspect, in my opinion, for a couple of seasons. So if it goes as bad as it could possibly go, this could be a 4-5 to five win team. They were 9-7 and seven last season. They've been 9-7 and seven on average over the last three seasons. I think 9-7 and seven is a pretty adequate place to put them. So, my official prediction for the Dallas Cowboys, I think they finish the season with a record of 9-7. and seven. Clear as mud, right? Look, all you need to know, I'm predicting Dallas to finish 9-7. and seven. Moving on. Let's go to the Giants now of New York coming off of a horrendous 3-13 season last season. Obviously, missed the playoffs real good and drafted Saquon Barkley number two overall. Over the last three seasons, including that 3-13 season, they're averaging 7-9. So they're kind of treading water on average, but that means they had two decent seasons ahead of that 3-13 finish. Interestingly enough, the Giants are the only team in the NFC that has no back-to-back home games on their schedule at all. It's it's home away, home away, home away. However, they do have to hit the road for back-to-back roadies very early in the season, weeks two and three, with the bye week, a nice bye week, week nine. So you got to take into consideration, does the favorable bye week position make up for the fact that they don't have any back-to-back home games? Probably not. But, you know, it's a nice thing to have that week nine bye, and they only have to do back-to-back road games once. Inside the division, the Giants, I think they've got a ceiling here of four and two. I could see them, you know, taking probably 
one game each. This again, this is ceiling. This is best case scenario. I can see them taking one game each from each of the teams in the NFC, splitting one and one. And I could see them, you know, best case scenario, maybe beating Washington twice. I don't think they beat Dallas twice. I really don't think they beat Philly twice. But they're capable, best case scenario, of beating each of those teams once and probably beating Washington that second time. So let's go a four and two ceiling for the Giants. On the opposite end of that, I think the floor is one and five. I think Philly could potentially beat them twice. I think Dallas could potentially beat them twice. I don't think the Redskins beat them twice because the Redskins not exactly a good road team. So I think when that game goes to New York, they probably split that one. So the floor, unfortunately for the Giants, probably one and five. Looking at the Giants versus the NFC South, I uh, don't think it's going to be a good season for them against that particular division. It's a bad draw for them. They simply are not a good enough football team, I don't think, from top to bottom to compete with the teams in the NFC South. I think the Giants' ceiling against the South is 1-3. and three. I think the only team in the South they beat is Tampa Bay. I don't think they beat Atlanta, I don't think they beat Carolina, and I don't think they beat New Orleans, even in a one-off. All three of those teams strike me as significantly better teams than the New York Giants. So 1-3 and three is the ceiling. The floor is 0-4. They could conceivably lose to Tampa Bay. They could conceivably lose all four of those games against NFC South opponents. So that's the floor. Now, against the AFC South and the rest of their NFC games, I think the ceiling there is 3-3. Three and three. And I think if they went 3-3, three and three, they would be very happy with that stretch. The AFC South has got good football teams in it. You're looking at maybe going 2-2 two and two against the South. And then, you know, 1-1 one and one against your other NFC opponents this season. So, I think 3-3, three and three, honestly, is a pretty realistic ceiling. And I think the Giants would be happy with that if they wound up doing that. The floor is one and five. I'm sure they take one of those two games against NFC opponents, the other two NFC opponents they'd have to play aside from the South. And then, you know, they go to the AFC South. They could conceivably lose all four of those games to the teams in the AFC South. So that's one and five. That's the floor. For the New York Giants, I'm looking at a ceiling of eight and eight. I don't think this is an above 500 football team quite yet. Saquon Barkley is an excellent addition. Having OBJ healthy and producing, we assume, is a good thing for them. I don't, still don't see them as a, a 9-7 and seven or better football team. So I think the ceiling for these Giants this season is 500 at 8-8. Eight and eight. You look at the floor, this could be a t this could still be as bad of a football team as they were last season. However goes the quarterback, so goes the team. I mean, this could be a 2 and 14, a 3 and 13, a 4 and 12. That is entirely realistic. Where I think they'll ultimately finish, I think they'll finish 6 and 10. And when you consider this team went 3 and 13 last season, 6-10 is a, a pretty nice improvement. I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley, his first season, unless he pulls a Kareem Hunt or a Leonard Fournette or, you know, a Dalvin Cook for the first couple of games of the season before he got hurt or an Alvin Kamara, if he pulls one of those, maybe the Giants do better than 6-10. and 10. Maybe they get closer to that 8-8 eight eight being a 500 football team. That's something, that's a feather in the cap, again, considering this team went 3-13 and 13 last season. But I think they finished 6-10. and 10.
Getting them out of the way very early in the episode, the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles coming off of a 13-3 and regular season last season. They have a three-season average of 9-7, and so, you know, 13-3, and they definitely overachieved based on recent history. Eagles have a fairly balanced schedule here this season. They play back-to-back home games in weeks 12 and 13, so that's pretty late in the season. That'll be a nice break for them. However, they do then immediately have to play back-to-back games on the road in weeks 14 and 15. The Eagles also travel to London for one of the London games this season with the bye week in week 9. So it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles respond to the travel and the the scheduling that is involved with one of the London football games. That'll be interesting to see, especially where they're the defending Super Bowl champion. You would imagine that'll get, obviously, a lot of eyes on the product in London. But again, that's a big travel schedule, and they have to do the whole back-to-back road games thing in 14 and 15. Be interesting to see how they respond to that. They do have a pretty favorable buy position. Inside the NFC East, I think the ceiling for the Eagles is probably 5-1. and one. They can beat the Giants twice. They can beat the Redskins twice. I think realistically, they probably split with Dallas because Dallas is not a bad football team. They're not even a, really like a mediocre football team. I think realistically, they probably split with that. Maybe I should have made the ceiling 6-0 and oh there, but really, I think the ceiling for the Eagles realistically against the NFC East is 5 and 1. We take a look at the floor. I mean the floor could be 2 and 4. They could realistically lose both of those games against Dallas. Dallas is capable of beating them. So maybe it's possible if things go as bad as they could possibly go, they could lose both of those games and they could potentially split with the Giants and split with the Redskins. So the floor there for Philly I think is 2 and 4. In case you can't tell, this is probably going to be a pretty wide chasm between ceiling and floor. We take a look at the NFC South opponents. I mean, Philly could realistically beat all of them. Like, Philly is capable of exploiting the weaknesses that each of those NFC South teams has. Atlanta has weaknesses. Carolina has weaknesses. New Orleans has weaknesses. Hey, Every team has weaknesses. Philly is capable of exploiting virtually any of them. So, the ceiling is 4-0. I think the floor is one and three because I don't think they're losing to Tampa Bay, kind of like Dallas. I don't think they're losing to Tampa Bay, but they could realistically lose to either Atlanta, Carolina, or New Orleans. You could see that realistically happening. So while the ceiling is four and oh, the floor is one and three. Then if you take a look at the games against the AFC South and the rest of their NFC opponents, the ceiling is another 6-0 and for the exact same reason that I just said. They're capable of exploiting any weakness that a team may happen to have, but I think the floor is 2-4. and four. They could lose to most of the teams in the AFC South, realistically, and they could potentially lose to one of those NFC opponents that they have left over on the schedule. That's a possibility. So while the ceiling is 6-0, and Floors two and four. Overall for the Philadelphia Eagles, I have their ceiling at 15 and one. I don't think this is a perfect team. I don't think they're a 16 and 0 football team. There is a 16 and 0 football team, but I don't think there this is the one. The floor, I don't think they're gonna they'd finish any worse than a five or six win team. So their floor, as far as I'm concerned, is five and eleven. But let's be honest, this Eagles team is gonna be much closer to the ceiling than they are to the floor. I'm going to go 11 and 5 
for the Philadelphia Eagles this season. Not quite as good as last season, but still obviously very good. Double-digit wins should be good enough to get them into the playoffs. And actually, spoilers, I have the Philadelphia Eagles repeating as NFC East champions at 11-5. and and we finish off the NFC East with the Washington Redskins, 7-9 and nine last season, and over the last three seasons, averaging just treading water at 8-8 eight and eight exactly. Redskins' schedule gets a little more creative. They have back-to-back -back home games in weeks 2 and 3, and in weeks 6 and 7. So early on in the season, a lot of home games. That should actually have the Redskins out to a pretty decent start this season, but Late in the season, they got back-to-back -back road games in weeks 12 and 13 and in 15 and 16, which means they have four road games in five weeks. That's going to be an incredibly tough stretch, especially for a team that's inconsistent at best on the road. That could very well be where the season winds up tanking for them. Redskins also have the worst buy positioning in the NFC with their bye coming very early in week four. Inside the NFC East, I think Washington's ceiling is probably four and two. I could realistically see them kind of like with the Giants. I could see them beating each of these teams once and then realistically they could potentially beat the Giants twice. So I think four and two is probably the ceiling. The floor is one and five. I could see them losing both of those games against Philly, both of those games against Dallas, probably splitting with the Giants. I don't think the Giants beat them twice necessarily. So the ceiling's four and two, but the floor is one and five within the division. Against the NFC South, I think the ceiling is the exact same as Dallas. I think it's two and two is best case scenario for the Redskins against the NFC South. They could beat Tampa Bay and beat one of those other teams. I don't think they're beating multiple between Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans, but I could see them realistically beating one of them. But uh, the floor is the same as the Giants. The floor is 0-4. I think Tampa is capable of beating Washington. Will they? Don't necessarily know, but they're capable of beating Washington, especially if it's a little bit later in the season once Winston comes back and hopefully gets back into his groove. But I think realistically, everybody in the NFC South could beat Washington, so the floor for the Redskins there is 0-4. Versus the AFC South and their other NFC opponents, I think the ceiling for the Redskins, 4-2. and two. I could realistically see them beating, you know, half the teams in the AFC South and then maybe potentially beat their other two NFC opponents. 4-2 uh, and two I think would be a very enthusiastic ceiling for the Redskins. The floor there, however, is 1-5. and five. I could see them losing all of those games against the AFC South and splitting against their other two NFC opponents. So one and five is a pretty comfortable floor. Overall for the Redskins, I see a ceiling of 10 and six. So it's a better ceiling than the Giants by a couple of games, but the floor is exactly the same. I mean, this could, if things go as bad as they could possibly go, no Kirk Cousins, question marks in the running game, defense, you know, can play, will they? I think the floor is the same as the Giants. The floor is like 2-14. and 14. This could realistically, potentially, if things go as bad as they could possibly go, be a two-win football team. Even though, like I said, I think the Redskins have a higher floor than the Giants do, I think the record winds up being the same. I've got the Redskins finishing at 6-10, and 10, the same as I have the Giants. 
So there's the NFC East. Let's now move on to the NFC North. And just to let you know ahead of time, the NFC North has to play all the teams in the NFC West and all the teams in the AFC East. In the NFC North, we're going to start with the Chicago Bears, 5-11 last season. And wouldn't you know it, that also matches their three-season average. Bears have not been good for some time, averaging 5-11. Bears' schedule gets a little more creative. They have three stretches where they play back-to-back home games, and it's right in the meaty part of the regular season. Weeks 7 and 8, back-to-back home games. Weeks 10 and 11, back-to-back home games, which also means four home games in five weeks for the Bears. Then they also get back-to-back home games in weeks 14 and 15. That gets balanced out, however, by the fact that they have to hit the road for back-to-back games twice late in the season, weeks 12 and 13, as well as weeks 16 and 17 to close the regular season. They also have an early bye week positioning. Their bye is in week five. Now, within the division, taking on Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota in the NFC North, honestly, I think the ceiling, and it might be an optimistic ceiling for Chicago, I think the ceiling there is three and three. They have the potential that they could beat any of these teams one time. They play each other so much, they know each other so well, I think they have the potential that they could beat each of these teams once. Other side of that coin is the floor is 0-6. They could realistically lose twice to Minnesota, definitely, twice to Green Bay, definitely, and twice to Detroit. Detroit's a good enough team, they could beat Chicago twice. So while the ceiling is 3-3, the floor is a big fat miss. Now Chicago against the NFC West, taking on Arizona, San Francisco, Seattle, and the Los Angeles Rams. I think Chicago's ceiling there is probably 2-2. I think they could beat Arizona, and they could probably beat San Francisco, or Seattle, one of the one of the two. I don't think they beat both of those teams, but I think they could beat one of the two. I don't see them beating the Rams, and again, I don't see them beating both of San Francisco and Seattle. So I think two and two is probably an optimistic, a fairly decent ceiling for Chicago against the NFC West teams. The opposite side of that coin, much like the division, they could go 0-4. I could see them losing all four of those games, depending on the situation. If things go as bad in Chicago as they could potentially go, I could see them losing all of those games. And again, the NFC North has to play the AFC East in the conference crossovers there. So taking on the AFC East as well as the rest of those NFC opponents. Ceiling for Chicago, 4-2. and two. There's teams in the AFC East that I think Chicago beats. There are teams in the AFC East that I think Chicago doesn't beat. But, you know, I, I think there's, there's winnable games there for Chicago as well as with their other NFC opponents. 4-2 and two would be a pretty good ceiling for them there. The floor is two and four. I think there's one particular team in the AFC East that I don't think Chicago loses to, and that is the Buffalo Bills. I don't think Chicago loses to Buffalo. They probably don't lose to the Jets either, but like the Jets and Buffalo, it's kind of a coin flip, right? I think two and four probably is a realistic floor for Chicago. I mean, they would certainly lose to the other two teams in the AFC East and potentially lose to the other NFC teams. So ceiling of four and two, floor of two and four. Overall, I think Chicago's ceiling, this is a team that on a defense that is pretty good and has gotten better. 
and an offense that could run the ball down your throat as long as they choose to to insulate their second year quarterback this could be a nine and seven football team if things go as well as humanly possible for the chicago bears or if things fall off the rails they could do much worse than they did last season this could be a two-win team especially if some kind of injury happens like if jordan howard gets injured just 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 pack the bus up and go home but so i mean this could be a two-win football team if things go as bad as humanly possible where i think they finish i think chicago takes another step forward this season i think they're better than last season better than the three season average i've got the bears finishing at seven and nine achingly close to 500 football Let's go to Detroit now, 9-7 and seven last season in the regular season. Over the past three seasons, they've just been treading water at 8-8. Eight and eight. They've been around that rank for the last few seasons. Detroit's got to push, got to really, really push here to try to get over the hump in a very difficult division. For the second time in these predictions, we see a team that gets to play not one, not two, but three consecutive home games. Detroit gets back-to-back-to-back home games from weeks 11 to 13. Again, right in the meaty part of that regular season, that is a nice boon to them, especially for a team that plays very well in their own building. However, they do have to play back-to-back road games heading into that stretch in weeks 9 and 10, and coming out of that stretch in weeks 14 and 15 so those back-to-back-to-back home games vital for detroit they got to win at least two of those games if not all three of them detroit's bye position not quite as bad as chicago's they get the bye in week six to the lions not as good as it could be and not as good as the other two teams in the division that we haven't talked about yet but you know it could have been worse now inside the division detroit's ceiling i think it's four and two i think best case scenario they could beat chicago twice and split with green bay and split with minnesota so i think the ceiling for detroit probably four and two inside the division the floor is one and five i don't think they would lose both games against chicago but i could see them splitting with chicago you know worst case scenario and they could lose both to green bay and lose both to minnesota so the floor one and five Against the NFC West, I think Detroit's ceiling is 3-1, and one, so a little bit better than Chicago's. I don't think they beat the Rams, but the other three teams in that division, they have a legitimate shot to beat, especially if you consider who they get to play at home. I think they could realistically win three of those four games on the high end. On the low end, could be 1-3. and three. I don't think there's a situation where Detroit loses all of those games so i think they beat either probably either arizona or seattle i think they beat one of those teams worst case scenario but i mean worst case scenario they could lose to all the other ones they definitely lose to the rams and they could lose to multiple of arizona san francisco or seattle now against the afc east tough division but high end ceiling Detroit could go 5-1 and one against the AFC East as well as the rest of their NFC opponents. I mean, they could beat their other two NFC opponents and beat anybody in the AFC East other than New England. So I still, I don't think they beat New England one way or the other, but any of those other teams, Detroit could realistically beat. The opposite end of that coin, their floor is 2-4. and four. I think there's an AFC East team that they could beat, and then I'm sure they could take a game off of one of their other NFC opponents, but all the other games they could realistically lose so if it goes as bad as it could possibly go that floor probably two and four 
Overall, for Detroit, I think if things go as well as they could possibly go, this is going to be a double-digit win football team. Could potentially be like a 12-4 and or an 11-5 and if things go as well as they could possibly go. The other end of that coin is if they go as bad as they could possibly go, this is probably only a four-win football team. Ultimately, I don't quite think Detroit has done enough to take that next step forward. So I think 9-7, and seven, where they finished last season, probably a pretty realistic finish for the Lions. So that's going to be my prediction. Let's go 9-7. and seven. Let's go to Green Bay and talk about my Packers now. 7-9 and nine last season. Obviously had a big stretch of the season where they missed Aaron Rodgers. The three-season average, however, is the inverse of that. It's 9-7. and seven. They're a better football team you know, just results-wise, than they were last season over the last three. Green Bay has back-to-back home games to kick off the season, weeks one and two back-to-back home games. That's important. They also get another back-to-back home stretch in the meaty part of the season, weeks 13 and 14. However, late in the season, big tests, big test, big problems for the Green Bay Packers. Three stretches of back-to-back road games in the second half of the season. So they got back-to-back road games in weeks eight and nine coming out of their bye, which is week seven, which is not a bad bye placement, but could have been better. Weeks 11 and 12, they have another back-to-back road game stretch, and weeks 15 and And 16, they've got back-to-back road games. They finish the season at home, which is nice. But again, three stretches of back-to-back road games. Schedule makers not really doing them any favors in the latter part of the season. Inside the division, I think Green Bay has a ceiling of 5-1. They could beat Chicago twice, beat Detroit twice, and probably best-case scenario split with the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the floor there, uh, certainly if there's another Aaron Rodgers injury, is probably two and four. They could lose both games against Minnesota and probably split one and one with both Chicago and Detroit. I don't think they'd lose both games to either of those teams, but they could certainly realistically split. Now, taking on the NFC West, I think Green Bay's realistic ceiling against the NFC West is probably three and one, kind of the same as Detroit's. I don't think they necessarily beat the Rams. That's the game in that division, Packers-Rams. So I don't necessarily know that they beat the Rams, but any of those other teams in the NFC West, Green Bay could is de- definitely more than capable of beating. The floor there is only 2-2. Two and two. I think it's a better floor than Detroit, certainly a better floor there than Chicago. I mean, I don't think they lose against all of Arizona, San Francisco, and Seattle. I think they, worst case scenario, can beat two of those teams. Then when you look at the AFC East, the obvious matchup there, Packers and Patriots, that's going to be a fun game. I can't wait for that one. Green Bay, their ceiling against the AFC East and their other NFC opponents, it's probably four and two. I mean, I think they're probably losing to New England one way or the other. I just don't think Green Bay's defense quite keeps up with that. And I'm sure there's another game in the NFC that they could wind up losing. So I think the ceiling there is four and two. The floor, two and four. They could realistically lose some games there in the AFC East that they should probably win. Maybe split with those other NFC opponents. So four and two is the ceiling, but two and four is the floor. 
Overall, I'm going to give Green Bay the same ceiling that I gave Detroit. I think best case scenario, Aaron Rodgers healthy, playing 100%, playing as well as he's capable of playing. I still think this is only a 12-4 and football team. 12 wins, nothing wrong with that. Should certainly get you into the playoffs. 12-4 and is the ceiling. I think the floor is worse than they did last year. I didn't like the whole Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying, like, you know, our our receiving core was was dog shit today or whatever it was, especially our young ones. I think the floor could be worse than last season. I think the floor could potentially be six and ten. Now it's a better floor than Detroit had, but still, it wouldn't be. It would be a disastrous season, especially if Aaron Rodgers was healthy. It would be disastrous if they go six and ten. Ultimately, assuming a healthy Aaron Rodgers all season, I've got to look at this as a double-digit win football team at minimum. And there have actually been a couple of sources that have cited Green Bay as one of the more improved teams in the NFC, mostly through the draft. They used their first two draft picks to draft in the secondary to try to improve that secondary. Honestly, I'm going to predict them at 11-5. and five. Like, it's double digits. It's a little better than 10-6, and six, which I think is... I think they should go 10 and 6 bare minimum if Aaron Rodgers is healthy. So let's go 11 and 5 with them and that could be good enough to slip into a playoff spot. We'll finish out the NFC North by looking at the Minnesota Vikings. They won this division last year at 13 and 3, same record as the Philadelphia Eagles. They also have the best 3-season average in this division, averaging 11 and 5. Make no mistake about it, when you're talking about the Vikings, you're talking about a team that is in win-now mode. Schedule not overly favorable to the Vikings in terms of their stretches. They do get back-to-back home games in weeks 8 and 9, heading into their bye, which is in week 10, which is the most favorable bye position in the NFC North. But, weeks 4 and 5 back-to-back road games, and then they also have to do back-to-back road games in weeks 13 and 14. That's pretty late in the season, so I mean, how they handle especially that late back-to-back road trip, that could determine whether they win this division once again. I make no bones about this, and I'm going to say it right now. I think the Minnesota Vikings are the best team in the NFC. And spoiler alert, I think their ceiling overall is 16-0. and If things go as well as they could possibly go with the additions that they've made and the great core that they already have, I think they could win all of their games in the division. I think they could beat all of those teams in the NFC West, Rams included, and I think they could beat everybody in the AFC East, Patriots included. So I honestly think 16-0 is the ceiling for the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the floors. We look inside the division. I think their floor is two and four. They could realistically lose both of those games against Green Bay. Green Bay is capable of beating them twice. I don't think it's going to happen, but we're talking about worst case scenario here. Green Bay could beat them twice, and they could potentially lose a game each to Detroit and Chicago. So I've got them at a two and four floor inside the division. Against the NFC West, Floor of two and two. They could definitely lose to the Rams. They could lose to one of probably San Francisco or Seattle. I think they still win, worst case scenario, I think they still win two of those games. And against the AFC East and the rest of those games, I think the floor is probably three and three. Could certainly lose to the Patriots. Could potentially lose to the Dolphins. Like, I could possibly see that happening. And then maybe losing one of the other games against an NFC opponent. But the floor there, I think, is three and three. 
So while I think the Vikings do have a 16-0 and ceiling, and spoilers, they're the only team in the NFC that I think have a ceiling of 16-0, and the floor, I mean, look, I think their floor is 7-9. and They could potentially be a sub-500 team if things go as bad as humanly possible, but I don't think they're any worse than a 7-win team with the incredible talent they've got on each and every side of the football. If you'll recall, just a few minutes ago, I said Green Bay. I was predicting them with an 11-5 and record. Well, I'm not predicting Green Bay to win the division. So I'm actually going to take Minnesota, once again, sort of the same as I did in the NFC East, to repeat as division champion. I think they get it. I think they get it at 12-4. and So kind of, kind of smack dab in the middle, but close, a little bit closer to their ceiling than to the floor. 12-win football team, about the same as last season. I think Minnesota should pretty comfortably win the division. Green Bay might make a run at it late in the season, but I'm going to give the NFC North once again to the Vikings. All right, let's go to the NFC South now. Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, the NFC South has to play the NFC East this season. They also have to play the AFC North which is going to be a tough division. But I think, again, the NFC South, probably top to bottom, probably the best division in football. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons, 10-6 and last season. And wouldn't you know who won the pony? That's also their three-season average over the last three years. Falcons actually have a pretty favorable schedule here in terms of their stretches. They get back-to-back-to-back home games in weeks two to four then they also get back-to-back home games in weeks six and seven so up to week seven they have five home games then they get to head into their bye which is smack dab in the middle of the regular season at week eight it's also the best bye position in this whole division that's really really good for atlanta now the other side of that is they do have to go on the road back-to-back games coming out of their bye in weeks nine and ten and to close out the season in weeks 16 and 17, which could play a big role in what was a tight division last season, will likely be again. Inside the division, I think the Falcons' ceiling is probably 4-2. and They could realistically beat Tampa Bay twice. I don't think they beat either Carolina or New Orleans twice, so that's why I'm going to give them a ceiling of 4-2. and But the floor, if things go as bad as they could possibly go for the Falcons... I think is probably one in five because Carolina and New Orleans are so good. I think they could realistically beat the Falcons twice. I don't think Tampa beats them twice, but I could see Tampa splitting with Atlanta. And that would be again, disastrous. I would say for the Falcons. I think that's worst case scenario against the NFC East. I think Atlanta's ceiling could potentially be four and zero, depending on what games wind up being at home and what games wind up being on the road. Realistically, I think Atlanta could, best case scenario, beat anybody in the NFC East, including Philadelphia. So I think the ceiling there is probably 4-0. The floor, I would say 1-3. I don't think Atlanta loses to both the Giants and Washington, but I could see them losing to one of them. I could see them losing to Dallas, and I could see them losing to Philadelphia. So I think the floor there is 1-3. Now in the crossover there against the AFC North and the other NFC opponents that Atlanta has, I think the ceiling there, probably 5-1. and one. I think that would be kind of a, 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 nice, a nice, enthusiastic, optimistic ceiling for Atlanta against the AFC North. Probably lose to one of those teams at the top of the AFC North, either Baltimore 
or Pittsburgh, but they could beat anybody else, I would say, that they have to play. The floor, two and four. I think they could struggle against the AFC North. They could struggle a little bit in their other games against the other NFC teams. So the floor there, I think, could be two and four, worst case scenario. Overall, I would say the Falcons ceiling, 13 and three, and that's going to be real familiar when you look at the teams in this division once we go over the rest of them. 13 and three, I think, would be a really, a really good season, an incredible season, actually, for Atlanta. The floor, I would say, is probably four, five wins somewhere in there. If things go as bad as they could possibly go, like if you see a Matt Ryan injury or a Julio Jones injury, they're both starting to creep up there in age. If it goes as bad as it could possibly go, this could be a four or five win team. I think Atlanta ultimately settles at nine and seven. I don't like their back half of the season coming out of their bye, having to do the back-to-back road games twice, especially to end the season when all the pressure is going to be on. I just, I don't know. I could see them being nine and five heading into week 16, and I could still see them finishing nine and seven. So let's go nine and seven for the Falcons. Let's go to Carolina now and look at the Panthers. The Panthers, 11-5 last season, identical record to New Orleans, who ultimately won the division on a tiebreaker. And for Carolina, that's also their three-season average is 11-5. That is the best in the last three seasons overall in the NFC South. Pretty wild schedule here for the Panthers, and I don't think the schedule makers did them any favors. Back-to-back home games in weeks 8 and 9, that's good, right in the middle of the season, and weeks 15 and 16, that's excellent, right towards the end of the season. However, they have three stretches where they have to go on the road for back-to-back games. 6 and 7, 10 and 11, and 13 and 14. So you look at weeks 10 to week 14, that's four road games in five weeks. They also have an incredibly early bye week in week four. Inside the division, I think the Panthers have a ceiling probably of five and one. I don't think they sweep this division. I think they'll lose, uh, best case scenario, they lose a game against either Atlanta or New Orleans. I can see them beating Tampa Bay twice, best case scenario, but they'd lose a game somewhere in here in this division. But I got them at a ceiling of five and one, the other end of that is the floor is one and five. They could realistically lose both games to Atlanta, realistically lose both games to New Orleans, and worst case scenario, probably split with Tampa Bay. So I got them at a floor of one and five. Against the NFC East, it's the exact same story as Atlanta. Their ceiling, I think they could beat anybody in the NFC East, including Philly. So I got them at a 4-0 ceiling, but I got them at a 1-3 floor. I think they would take a game off of either the Giants or or Washington, but they could lose all the rest of them. And again, just like Atlanta, it's the exact same when we talk about the AFC North. I think the ceiling there is five and one. I think they probably lose to one of those top end teams in the AFC North, but not both of them. And I think, you know, they probably would sweep out the rest of those games. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you could go two and four. There's teams in the South in the air the north sorry in the afc that will beat them there are other nfc teams that will beat them on their schedule worst case scenario two and four the ceiling for this carolina panthers team is incredibly high you could see a repeat of that what was it a 15 and 1 or a 14 and 2 season i've got their ceiling at 14 and 2 i think this could legitimately be best case scenario a 14 win football team if everything falls into place christian mccaffrey takes a huge step forward this could be a 14 win football team 
or injuries happen, losing streaks happen. It could be a four-win football team. That's that's the insanity of the NFL because you got this high end, the best potential, and then things could completely fall apart. Overall, I still think the Carolina Panthers of all the teams in this division are the team that's the best lock to get to double-digit wins. So I'm going to give that to them. I'm going to have Carolina finish the season at 10-6, and six, and that is actually going to be good enough for the Carolina Panthers to win this division over New Orleans, over Atlanta, and over Tampa Bay. Speaking of New Orleans, let's take a look at New Orleans, division champion from last season at 11-5, and five, but the three-season average is only 8-8. Eight and eight. So is this 11-5 and five an outlier? Is this team not as good as their record from last season indicated? Lots of question marks around Alvin Kamara. Are we going to see a sophomore slump there? My other question marks are, holy cow, what does the NFL scheduling office have against the New Orleans Saints? This schedule is bonkers. So the Saints have back-to-back home games to open the season, weeks one and two. Hey, thumbs up. That's fantastic. They also have back-to-back home games twice in the second half of the season, weeks 11 and 12 and weeks 16 and 17 to close the regular season. That all sounds great, right? I ain't done yet. I ain't even half done yet with the New Orleans Saints schedule. They play back to back to back road games weeks 13 to 15 heading into that stretch of back to back home games to close the season and they also have to play back to back road games in weeks 3 and 4 and weeks 7 and 8 weeks 7 and 8 just happen to be coming out of their bye which is an early bye position in week 6 So that is a ton of up and down for New Orleans. Long stretches at home, then long stretches on the road. In the division, the ceiling and the floor is the same for New Orleans, I believe, as it was for Atlanta. Four and two. They could beat Tampa Bay twice and likely realistically split with both Atlanta and Carolina. Or the floor there, one and five. Atlanta could sweep them, Carolina could sweep them, and realistically they could split with Tampa Bay. Floors one and five. Against the NFC East, it's the exact same ceiling and floor as Atlanta and Carolina has. There's very little, in my opinion, that separates these three football teams. Best case scenario, New Orleans is capable of beating anybody in the NFC East. Worst case scenario, they could lose to all of them except, you know, one of the Giants or Washington. I don't think they lose both of those games, but they could realistically lose one of them. So the ceiling is 4-0, the floor is 1-3. And, again, same story against the AFC North and the rest of their NFC opponents. The ceiling there is 5-1. I think they could potentially, and they probably will, lose to either Pittsburgh or Baltimore. One of those two. The rest of the games, best case scenario, they could sweep out of all of them. The floor, exactly the same. It's 2-4. There's teams in the AFC North that can beat them. There's the other teams in the NFC that they have to play that could realistically beat them. I think the floor there is two and four. The two games that New Orleans has to play against Atlanta this season will be incredibly, incredibly important because I think those games could ultimately determine who gets a wild card spot here. We already know I'm predicting Carolina to win the division, but I've got New Orleans, same ceiling as Atlanta, 13 and three. 
same floor as Atlanta and Carolina, 4-12. and 12. So that's if things go incredibly well, as well as they can go, or incredibly poorly, as poor as they can go. 13-3 and three or 4-12, and 12, I've got the New Orleans Saints finishing with the same record as Atlanta. I've got them finishing 9-7. and seven. What a dogfight this division is going to be, and it'll be real interesting to see who comes out in the wildcard spot. And we finish off the NFC South by talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks. Five and 11 last season. And of course, we'll be missing James Winston for the first few games of this season for the bad stuff that he did. Three season average for Tampa Bay is a little bit better than that. It's seven and nine. Ultimately, they're a team that's still treading water. Again, schedule makers not overly kind to the Tampa Bay Bucks. They do, however, have back to back to back home games from weeks 12 to 14. Three straight games at home, which is nice. They also get back-to-back home games early in the season at weeks two and three. But they do have two stretches where they have to play back-to-back road games in the second half of the season, weeks eight and nine, as well as weeks 15 and 16, so close to the end of the regular season. And the bye week comes in week five. And for the Bucks across the board, it's that next step down from the Atlantas, Carolinas, and New Orleans's of this division and of the NFC and of the NFL as a whole. The ceiling in the division, three and three. I think realistically, best case scenario, Tampa Bay splits with all the other teams in the NFC South. Worst case scenario, they lose to all of them. Against the NFC East, best case scenario, I think the ceiling against the NFC East is three and one. I think they can beat the Giants, beat the Redskins, and beat one of Dallas or Philadelphia, probably Dallas, But I don't think they beat both of those teams. So the ceiling, best case scenario for Tampa Bay, if they're playing out of their mind football, especially on the defensive side, is 3-1. The floor is 0-4. Tampa Bay could realistically lose to any and all of those teams in the NFC East. And against the AFC North and the rest of their NFC games in the regular season, the ceiling, 4-2. I think they lose to the top-end teams in the AFC North probably are capable of beating the lower end teams in the AFC North and their other NFC opponents, probably a good, decent, pretty decent chance to either split or maybe even take both games off of them because they know them a little bit better. The floor, two and four. They could do really poorly against the AFC North because you have teams that in that division that are kind of on the rise and have talented players and tread water against their NFC opponents as well. So it's a four and two ceiling, but it's a two and four floor. Best case scenario, if Tampa Bay plays absolutely out of their mind, if they weather the storm of not having Jameis Winston for the first few weeks, if they do that very well, they could be a double digit football team. Their defense played really well for stretches last season. So, I mean, if the defense plays as well, or plays even better, the run game gets going, Mike Evans does what Mike Evans is capable of doing in the receiving game, this could be a double-digit win football team. Or they could be 2-14 and 14 if things go terribly wrong. They're very much a team where it's not a situation that there's nowhere to go but up. No, they could definitely go down. I don't think they're going to, though. I think it's probably going to be pretty similar to last season. I think might be just the littlest bit better. I'm going to predict them finishing the regular season at 6-10. and 10. It is a step in the right direction, albeit a very small one. And we're going to close things out with the NFC West. Now, the NFC West gets to play the NFC North this season and crosses over to play the AFC West. 
So we'll start with the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, the big story in Arizona is getting back David Johnson, who they missed all of last season. Arizona finishing last season 8-8, eight and eight, three-season average of 9-7, and seven, so it's a little bit better than that. The Cardinals get to play back-to-back home games twice early in the season, weeks 3 and 4, and weeks 7 and 8, heading into the bye in week 9, which is a pretty good bye position. Now, they do have to play back-to-back road games in weeks 5 and 6, coming out of one of their back-to-back home stretches, and back-to-back road games late in the season, weeks 12 and 13. So, inside the NFC West with the other teams, the Rams, the 49ers, and the Seahawks, the ceiling for Arizona, I think, is 5-1. and one. I think they could realistically beat San Francisco twice, realistically beat Seattle twice, who everybody feels is on a pretty steep decline, And probably split with the Rams, who I think right now are certainly the class of this division. So the ceiling, 5-1. The floor is the exact opposite of that. It's 1-5. They could lose twice to the Rams, potentially lose twice to Seattle if things go incredibly well. And maybe split with San Francisco or vice versa, however you want to do that. The floor is 1-5 if things go terribly for Arizona. Now again, taking on the NFC North, Chicago, Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota. I think for Arizona, the ceiling there is probably 3-1. I think they can beat Chicago and beat Detroit and beat one of Green Bay and Minnesota. I don't think they're, they're not good enough to even best case scenario. I don't think to beat both of them, but they're capable of beating one of them. So 3-1 and one, I think is the ceiling. The floor there is the exact opposite of that. It's 1-3. and three. I think they could certainly lose to Minnesota, certainly lose to Green Bay, and lose to one of Chicago and Detroit. I don't think they lose to both of them. I think they probably lose to Detroit but beat Chicago. So the floor against the NFC North is 1-3. and three. And crossing over to the AFC West, not the easiest division in the world, certainly not the easiest division in the AFC. The ceiling there, probably 4-2 and two for their AFC and the rest of their NFC games. Ceiling's 4-2. and two. They could probably beat most of the teams in the AFC West and then, you know, probably split with their other NFC opponents. But the floor there is 1-5. The teams in the AFC West could, maybe even all four of them, could potentially beat Arizona if things are going very poorly for the Cardinals and then probably split against the other two NFC opponents. So the floor there is one and five. Overall, best case scenario for Arizona, 12 and four. I think this could be a 12 win football team if David Johnson is running the lights out, scat back, catching a bunch of passes. If he can play to the highest of his potential, Arizona could be a 12 win team. Or if things go really poorly again, maybe David Johnson re-aggravates that injury. The offense isn't clicking, the defense playing inconsistently. I mean, this could be the worst team in this division. It's entirely possible. Could be a 3-4 win team. I personally think most of the shine is off of the Arizona Cardinals right now. I don't see them as much more than a middling football team, even with David Johnson. With David Johnson, they're a middling football team with a star, with an absolute star player, but they're still a middling football team top to bottom. I think this is an 8-8 eight eight football team, and that's all I'm willing to give them. I'm not willing to give them over 500. I'll give them 500 exactly. Let's look at the LA Rams, 11-5 last season, champions of the NFC West. Their three-season average is only 8-8 because the Rams have been bad leading up to this point, but nobody feels like the Rams are just a 500 football team anymore. 
But in terms of bonkers schedules, I think the Rams probably take the crown for the most bonkers schedule in the entire NFL. Early in the regular season, the Rams get back-to-back-to-back home games weeks two to four. That's really, really good for them. Three straight home games very early in the season. They also get a back-to-back stretch of home games in weeks 10 and 11, leading into their bye, which is in week 12. It's a late season bye, maybe a little later than you might want it, like I'd want like week 10 at the latest because that gives me a nice week to rest up and then really head into the stretch run of the regular season. Week 12 is a little late for me, but it's certainly better than being in like week four. But, and check this out, back-to-back-to-back road games coming out of their back-to-back-to-back home games. So the road game stretch, the three-game stretch of road games is in week five to seven. They also have back-to-back road games late in the season week 13 and 14 and they have a mexico city game so the rams then also have to go down to mexico city so a lot of travel back to back to back road scenario back to back road scenario late in the season so it's a real it's a real have and have not situation for the rams inside the nfc west i think the rams ceiling is 6-0 i think they're capable of beating all of these teams in the nfc west twice that's how good i think the rams are I think they're capable of 6 and 0. The floor I think is 3 and 3. I think worst case scenario for the Rams this season, they split with with each of these teams. They split with Seattle, split with San Fran, and split with Arizona. Now, against the NFC North, I think the ceiling is 3 and 1. I think they could beat uh, virtually anybody in the NFC North. I don't think they beat both Green Bay and Minnesota because, again, that's a real tough stretch to vastly different football teams. So I don't think they beat both of them, but they're more than capable of beating one of them, probably, if we're being honest, probably Green Bay. But the floor there is one and three. They could lose to Minnesota, also lose to Green Bay, and lose to one of Detroit or Chicago, probably Detroit. Then if you look at the AFC West, as well as the rest of their NFC opponents, I legitimately think their floor there is 6-0. I think they could beat anybody in the AFC West. I think they could beat virtually anybody else in the NFC. Even the top tier teams in the NFC outside of the division they have to play, I think they're capable of beating anybody. The floor there, I think, is probably 2-4. There's multiple teams in the AFC West that can beat them. There's multiple teams throughout the rest of the NFC that could beat them. I think they could take, you know, worst case scenario, if they're playing really, really poorly, they could take games here and there. But I think the floor at absolute worst in those games is two and four. For the Rams, I think their ceiling legitimately is the same as Philadelphia's. I think it's the ceiling is 15-1 and for this team, and I think the Rams have a slightly better floor than the Eagles do. I'm going to give their floor 6-10, and which is actually the second best floor in the NFC after Minnesota. I think this is still a double-digit win football team are the Rams, certainly behind a guy like Todd Gurley. Jared Goff going to take another step forward. Their receiving core certainly plays, I would say, punches above their weight class, if you would, if uh, I can use a phrase. So I, I think they're a double-digit win football team. Maybe they're not 11-5 and five again, but I think they're certainly 10-6. and six. So we're going to go 10-6 and six for the LA Rams. And spoilers, I think the Rams repeat as NFC West division champions. 
We'll go to San Francisco now. One of the more interesting storylines in the NFL for the upcoming season. San Fran 6-10 last season, but went on a real run late in the season behind Jimmy Garoppolo. They're an average of 4-12 over their last three seasons. That is the worst average in the entire NFC. Interesting schedule here as well for the 49ers. They also get back-to-back-to-back home games this season, and it's very late in the season. Weeks 14 to 16, three straight games at home. They also get back-to-back home games in weeks 9 and 10. Now, they supplement that with back-to-back road games, weeks 3 and 4, so two road games early in the season back-to-back. And then again, weeks 12 and 13. That's actually coming out of their bye week in week 11. Inside the division, I think the 49ers ceiling, probably four and two. It's the lowest ceiling in the division, the lowest one that I gave inside the division. I don't think the 49ers beat the Rams. I think the Rams beat them twice. So I I can't really give them much more than that, but I could see the 49ers beating Arizona twice. I could see them beating Seattle twice. Or maybe if they beat the Rams... They, they could beat the Rams, I suppose, and then maybe split uh, split with everybody, and then maybe they beat Arizona twice. Something, something along those lines. I'm going to give them a 4-2 and two ceiling. The floor, I think, is 2-4. and four. I think San Francisco beats Seattle once, beats Arizona once, and maybe loses twice to the Rams. The NFC North, I think the ceiling for the 49ers is 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Good teams in the NFC North. Uh, I don't think they beat Minnesota. I don't think they beat Green Bay, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I do think they could beat Detroit, and I think they beat Chicago. So I think the ceiling there for the 49ers is 2-2. The floor is 1-3. I don't think they leave that division without a win. I think they certainly beat Chicago, but they could potentially lose to Detroit. So while the ceiling's only 2-2, the floor is not winless. The floor is 1-3. And against the AFC West and the rest of their NFC opponents, I think I'm looking at a ceiling here of four and two. Same, actually, same across the board as Arizona. Ceiling of four and two, floor of one and five. I don't think they go winless against the AFC West. They may go winless against other NFC opponents who play them more often, know how to play them better. I don't think they go winless against the AFC West. I think there's a team in there certainly that the 49ers are capable of beating. Worst case scenario. So while this is the lowest ceiling in this division, it's still double-digit wins, and I think San Francisco, with their ceiling that I'm giving them of six and or ten and six, or let's say six and ten, ten and six, I think they would be ecstatic with a ten and six season, regardless of whether they made the playoffs or not. That's their ceiling. The floor is four and twelve. It's what they've been averaging the last few seasons. Maybe this whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing was just a flash in the pan late in the regular season. Who knows? It could be as bad as it's been for the last few seasons. That's entirely possible. I think San Francisco is closer to their ceiling for the first time in a long time than they are to their floor. I'm gonna give San Francisco the same record that I gave Arizona. I'm gonna give San Francisco eight and eight as a finish in the regular season in 2018. And I think that's something for the 49ers to celebrate. And the final team we're going to look at, the Seattle Seahawks. This is the team that has controlled this division for a long time. They were still 9-7 and seven last season, but that is below their three-season average of 10-6, and six, which is the tops in the NFC West over that time period. 
Seahawks get to play back-to-back home games twice late in the regular season. That is very beneficial to them. Weeks 13 and 14 and weeks 16 and 17 to close the regular season. So in the last five weeks of the regular season, they get four games at home. Now they do have to hit the road for back-to-back road games in weeks one and two, and Seattle also has to travel to London this season. So from the West Coast all the way over to London, that is going to be a long, long trip for Seattle to have to take, something that they really are going to have to adjust their bodies to. That's going to be a difficult test for them. On the plus side, they get a pretty good buy position. Week 7, it is the earliest buy in this division, but it's still week 7. It's still earlier than anybody in the NFC South other than Atlanta. Now, inside the NFC West, I think Seattle still has a ceiling here of 5-1. and one. I don't think they beat the Rams twice. I think they split with the Rams, best case scenario. But best case, they could also beat Arizona twice, and they could still beat San Francisco twice. Just because they play them so often, they know what they're doing. The floor here for Seattle, I think, is 2-4. and four. They could realistically lose both games to the Rams, probably split with the other teams, like 1-1 one and one with both Arizona and San Francisco. Could go poorly for Seattle this season, especially if their offensive line still hasn't figured things out. Now, against the NFC North, it's the exact same as the Rams and the Cardinals. The ceiling is 3-1, and one, the floor is 1-3. and three. Against the NFC North, I don't think Seattle beats both Green Bay and Minnesota but I think they could potentially step up and beat one of those teams as well as Detroit and Chicago. The floor, they could lose to Minnesota, lose to Green Bay, probably lose to Detroit, still probably beat Chicago. They'd still get a win out of the NFC North, but that would be worst case scenario for Seattle and certainly indicative that things aren't going well. Against the AFC West and the rest of their NFC games, I think they have the same ceiling as San Francisco and Arizona. Going to give them a 4-2, and two, but they've got the same floor, I believe, as the LA Rams at 2-4. and four. So they're going to invert there. 4-2, and two, there's teams in the AFC West that Seattle's more than capable of beating, especially if they get to play them at home. But there's also teams in the AFC West that are more than capable of beating Seattle. So again, it's a real coin flip situation. Could be a real either-or. But I got the ceiling 4-2, and two, the floor 2-4. and four. At their best, I think Seattle's still like an 11-12 to 12 win football team. Even with the problems on the offensive line, even with shedding so many pieces on defense. But that's what they have to do. They have to get worse in order to get better. But even so, if things go as well as they can possibly go, especially on the offensive side, this could still be a 12-win team. Conversely, it could be about a 5-6 to six win team if things go as poorly as they're capable of going on the O-line and with a picked apart defense and this is one that I actually struggled with because I really do think I agree with a lot of people when they say Seattle is on a decline I actually think Seattle is closer to their floor right now than they are to their ceiling you heard it here first the Seattle Seahawks will be under 500 this regular season I've got them finishing seven and nine that's still look seven and nine is still fine I guess it's certainly not as bad as it could possibly be but this is a team that I believe fully is closer to their floor than they are to their ceiling all right folks there you go full NFC predictions for the 2018 regular season the NFC East I've got the Philadelphia Eagles repeating as division champion at 11 and 5 Dallas 9 and 7 the Giants and the Redskins both 6 and 10 
in the NFC North. Minnesota repeating as division champion at 12 and 4. I got the Packers at 11 and 5, Detroit at 9 and 7, Chicago taking a step forward at 7 and 9. The NFC South, I have Carolina winning that division at 10 and 6. I've got both Atlanta and New Orleans at 9 and 7, and the Tampa Bay Bucks treading water at 6 and 10. And the NFC West, I've got the Rams repeating as division champion, a little lower than last season, at 10-6. and six. I've got both the Cardinals and the 49ers at 8-8. Eight and eight. And Seattle going from the best average record over the last three seasons in this division to number four in this division at 7-9. and nine. So those are the four division champions. When it comes to the NFC wild cards, I've got Green Bay as wild card one as the only other team with double digit wins that did not win a division. So I've got them at 11 and five. I've got them in the wild card one spot, probably playing either Carolina or maybe the LA Rams, which would be a tough, tough matchup for them in the first round. The second wildcard team is going to be one of those nine and seven teams. You're talking about Dallas, Detroit, Atlanta, New Orleans. I'm going to give the wildcard two spot to the Atlanta Falcons. And the reason that I'm giving it to Atlanta, especially over a team like New Orleans, the ceiling and the floor is exactly the same. It's a higher ceiling than a team like Dallas and a team like Detroit. The ceiling is higher. And again, it's going to come down to those Atlanta versus New Orleans games. I think Atlanta ultimately wins out on whatever tiebreaker it would need to be. I got the Falcons going to the playoffs. Folks, the voice is given out. I've been recording for an hour and 38 minutes. It certainly won't be that long when the episode comes out, but that's how long I've been recording for. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, with your full National Football Conference predictions. Next week, the American Football Conference takes center stage. The exact same format, the exact same layout. We'll be doing our AFC predictions next week. I got some surprises in there. I can't wait for you to hear them. Come back for that next week. Hope you're enjoying episode zero. Hope you're enjoying the CFL show. The next episode of the CFL show will be out tomorrow. I hope you enjoy. What are your predictions for the NFC? Put them in the comments section below. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week.